As you will uh, know, often when we do the enough evenings, uh, we just do a little bit at the beginning where we just try and help us stir our faith a little bit and a little bit of instruction trying to help us in corporate prayer. One of the reasons we began these enough uh, things is that a good friend, my good friend Pete Gregg uh, once said to me, or he said to a number of us in a, in a meeting we were in, he said, uh, over the last 30 years or so, there's been so much investment, creativity, imagination, regeneration, restoration of worship in church life that we can barely recognize worship now from how it was 30 years ago. That would be true, yeah? In corporate church life. He said, imagine what would have happened if we had spent that same amount of energy and creativity on corporate prayer. And when he said that, I thought, ah, you've nailed me. You've nailed me. So I thought to myself, why don't we just make our own contribution to changing the culture of church life so that corporate prayer becomes the engine that drives everything rather than a department that's occasionally used? Because the more we read the Acts of the Apostle, the more we realize that before mission, during mission, after mission, when they faced setbacks, advances, when they were making decisions, when they were just going about daily life, prayer was at the epicenter of everything they did. Was it not? So there's something for us to go on a bit of a journey. And I was very inspired by reading about Jonathan Edwards' humble attempt, uh, which he called it a humble attempt, and William Carey picked it up later and actually had more success than Edwards. And you know that our enough thing features these three uh, components, extraordinary prayer, sense of occasion, visible union, so we're all together in, at the same time, in different, uh, uh, on the same date, in different locations, and explicit agreement. We're all praying for the same thing at the same time. And Paul said you, uh, in 2 Corinthians 1.11, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks in answer to the blessing, for the blessing given, in answer to the prayers of many. It's the only time in the New Testament I can find where Paul links specifically effectiveness with numbers. And there's been so much emphasis on church growth and all the rest of it, and the numbers and the size of a church, and yeah, how big is an I, what's the ideal size of a local church? Bigger, sure. But prayer does seem to have a correlation corporately to scale. Paul said the prayers of many. And so I want us to, to, to look at something tonight that um, I think will just hopefully motivate us as we then get into some prayer uh, for various things as the evening wears on. Are you ready to do some work in prayer? Because prayer is like going into the gym. It's, that, it's where the heavy lifting is done. Right? And when you come out of the gym, you live in the benefit of it, hopefully. But in prayer, you know you will. So what I want to talk about briefly, just for a few minutes, is reclaiming what belongs to the Lord. Reclaiming what belongs to the Lord. See, something, something has been stolen. Something's been taken by the enemy. It's like if you imagine the Lord has a house. It's been broken into. And there's the thief wearing the Lord's slippers, 
sitting on the Lord's sofa, watching the Lord's television, opening the Lord's fridge and eating his favorite food, drinking his beer. Outrageous arrogance that a thief should occupy and take what does not belong to him. It's outrageous. Using what belongs to someone else for your own ends and you've got no right to. But the Bible says that that kind of dynamic is what has gone on with the earth. Because the earth is the Lord's. And everything in it, it's his. It belongs to him. And there's various verses that the Bible uses to give images of uh, thief or deceiver or uh, uh, someone who's holding people in prison, all sorts of things like that. So in John 10, 10, Jesus is talking about uh, false truth and he's saying the thief comes to st- steal and, and kill and destroy. But he says, I'm the good shepherd. The, the, the thief comes to take things that doesn't belong to him and uh, rob people and steal things and, uh, and, and, and kill. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 talks about the God of this world blinding the eyes of believers, so they, of unbelievers, so they cannot see the light of the truth of the gospel. There's something, something being done, something evil taking place, something that's hindering the world from seeing the glory of God. The devil is stolen something. It's not his to do that. He's issued False truths and false messages. Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 2. And just look at some of these with us uh, to help us. It says, You were dead in, the, in your trespasses and sins in which, you use, in, you, sorry, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. This This idea of a false ruler taking authority over things that are not his. They are not his. He is an imposter. It's arrogance. In uh, John 12, 31, Jesus uh, addresses this. And he says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now... Will the ruler of this world be cast out? See, Jesus knows that the devil and all his uh, demonic forces have taken up a, a false rulership over things they have no right to exercise power, dominion, or authority over. He knows that. And he says, the time's coming. Time's now. When he'll be cast out. It's time for him to end what he's doing. In 1 John uh, 5.19, the similar themes are followed in, in many of the epistles. 1 John 5.19 talks about, we know that we are from God and that the whole world, look at this, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. I mean, they're strong words. That's, that's not just Uh, A thief gone into the lounge and sitting on the sofa. He's invited all of his mates. This is a a complete infestation. A false kingdom has been set up. 
totally contrary to the ruling and reigning that God has by right in the world. 2 Timothy uh, 2.26, just read you this last one. Just, you're getting the feel of this, you're getting the, the, the flavor of it. If I can, who's stolen Timothy? There it is. 2 Timothy 2.26 says um, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Now, I just want us to just feel the flavor of the great need of the, of the world all around us. That, that, all those images, that, that's going on all around us, isn't it? Our neighbors where we live, the towns, the villages, the cities we come from, the nations we're in, the, the news that we see relentlessly, relentlessly showing things that are, are not God's ways. Something has been stolen. But here's the thing. It's time that something's taken back. And prayer is one of the key ways where it's done. See, if you've got a squatter in a property that they should not be in, they're sitting there with their feet up, watching the telly, raiding the fridge, messing the place up. How do you get rid of someone like that? Well, what you do is you issue them with one of these. You serve them an eviction notice. You say it's time to quit. It's time to vacate. It's time that this is given back to the right owner. And do you know what the amazing thing about an eviction notice is this? It doesn't matter how weak or powerful you or I may feel serving it. The authority is in the notice itself. So that is why prayer is so powerful. Because the eviction notice we serve... The thing, if you're trying to read that, don't think you should have gone to Specsavers, right? <laughs> Other opticians are available for the live stream, but don't, it's, not, it's not that you can't read that. The eviction notice has the power because it is a legally binding judgment, yeah? We have a legally binding judgment. Yeah. The promises of God. And whenever we, one of the things I love to try and help us learn in, in, in the enough uh, prayer meetings is to learn how to pray back to God the promises he's made. Because when God has uttered something, you know, heaven and earth can pass away, but what he said will never pass away. And it's about often saying to the Lord, Lord, if you, if you didn't mean it, then you wouldn't have said it. And sometimes when you're feeling really militant, Lord, if you didn't mean it, you shouldn't have said it. Because God likes it when we get a little bit in agreement with him, doesn't he? Because it shows that we believe him. And, and I, I think it's time 
to reclaim what belongs to the Lord. Something is being taken back. It's time that we said to the enemy, get those slippers off. Get off the couch. Put the stuff back in the fridge. Shut the door on your way out. Now, often prayer like that can be associated with a lot of shouting and sort of veins popping on your forehead and trying to... Do you know, Jesus spoke such words of authority and didn't even break a sweat in how he said them very often. As we were hearing this afternoon, Jesus, um, God whispers to his friends and shouts at his enemies, true. But when Jesus was dealing with demons, he, he didn't need to raise his voice. He had the authority in himself. So when we pray... It's not about the volume we create, although sometimes in, when we're praying for things that matter to us, uh, you, know, we get, you know, we should get emotionally involved. But it's not about the amount of volume we create, it's about how much we believe these promises. It's about us saying, Lord, I don't mind what it looks like at the moment, it has to change because you've said you're going to make it change. See, corporate prayer serves a notice to quit like nothing else, Matthew 21, 21 says, if you say to this mountain, be moved, it'll move. Now, what's the basis of that kind of thing? Well, the basis is when we know that God has promised something. Now, sometimes we wrestle with these things and we have to learn that prayer isn't always instant in its response. In, uh, in Daniel chapter 10, there's a, there's a great example of, of, of what prayer, the kind of dynamics spiritually that are going on in prayer where uh, you, you get um, uh, Daniel praying and um, Michael comes to him, this angel comes to him and says, you know, from the first day you started to pray, I, I was sent to you. But I've been delayed getting here because there was kind of basically saying there was there's heavenly warfare going on, but now I've come to you. And the Bible doesn't tell us There's a a mystery about all the stuff going on in the heavenlies all around us. And the Bible tells us enough to satisfy our faith, not enough to satisfy our curiosity. But all we need to have satisfied is our faith, yeah? We know that all this kind of stuff is going on. Listen, I tell you, this evening there's a lot of heavenly activity going on. Demons are listening to everything we're doing Angels from heaven are listening to everything doing. There is transaction going to take place tonight. Notices to quit are going to be issued tonight. Things will change as a result of tonight. And whether we have a loud voice or a soft voice, we're going to be praying promises back to God. And things will change. Things will change. That's That's not me just being optimistic If Jesus died, if I believe Jesus died on the cross to save me, and I believe that with all my heart, which I do, as you do, I've got to also believe everything else that's in here. And the righteous, uh, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. It's the same Bible with the same weight of authority behind the promise. So this thing's going to change that. It's time to take things back. Persistence matters. Persistence matters. It talks in 1 Corinthians 15, 25, he must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet. Now, what does that mean? Well, you think, well, surely Jesus has ascended. He does reign. Well, reigning is not passive. It's proactive. His reign is him bringing about the victory he has already won and getting the house back. 
He says he must reign. He, he must be clearing out the house until everything is complete. And the final enemies, the ones that are really persistent and won't go, death and sin, one day they'll be gone as well. And he must reign until he's completed that and got his house back. So when we pray, we're praying, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. We're saying, Lord, get your house back. We're agreeing with you. The earth is the Lord's. It's your house and everything in it. So tonight, this is, this is about really, you don't even have to have a great sense of faith and, you know, kind of subjectively. Faith is simply saying, I believe what you said. I believe what you said. And I'm going to trust you for the outcome. I'm going to trust you that as I pray, it is literally the most powerful thing I can do on planet Earth. Do you know, I, I honestly believe that. That prayer is the most powerful activity a human being, this side of glory, can do on planet Earth. We are playing with dynamite tonight. It, we don't even, we don't realize what we have which is why the enemy will constantly use any tactics he can to keep us from prayer. Because he knows that is the thing that changes the game. And it's hard work sometimes. And it feels like you're persisting. And it feels like you're, you're pushing against something. That's because we are. We're coming against principalities, powers, and all kinds of pretensions. But we are not the ones who enforce the eviction, the eviction notice, Jesus does. When the apostles do this amazing miracle, Acts chapter 3, Peter says, why are you staring at us as if by our power we've made this man walk? Well, Jesus healed him. We prayed for him. So we, we haven't got anything. There's no power in this room in and of ourselves. This is where the power is. And the power is by the Holy Spirit who rests in us, taking hold of the promises of God and pleading them before the throne. That's where the power is. We can be very weak people. You might feel very weak tonight. You might feel there's all sorts of pressures you're struggling with. and you know, Leadership's demanding. It's demanding. Several times recently, I've, I've had things where I've just, you know, saying, Lord, I don't really know what to do about this. So I've honestly just felt the Lord say to me, I just want you to fall face down before me. Don't say anything. So I have. So I, 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 I keep thinking, I hope I'm all right in the head and keep doing this. <laughs> but it's honestly, the Lord just, just worship me. Just lay down before me. Let, me. let me act. Let me work. Let me work. And do you know what? The more we learn just to be sensitive to his voice and to respond the way he wants us to in prayer, prayer can be a posture as well as a word. Prayer can be expressed in all sorts of ways. There's something for us to learn together. Are you up for that? Just, this isn't just about tonight. This is about a journey we're going on as a family of churches. That God wants to help us to learn how to be mighty in prayer. And I believe one of our visions is to try and... Uh, we're, when we pray, been praying, we've been getting between 2,000 uh, and 2,500 people amongst our own churches doing that when we've been gathered. Then when Edward joined in... We went up to six and a half thousand as the Kenyans, the Kenyans waded in with a juggernaut of prayer and uh, made me feel slightly embarrassed. But we, we, we hung in there. We hung in there. And it's been great, isn't it, Edward, to pray across the time zones 
And uh, tonight, later, we'll, we, we're, we've got um, uh, folk joining us from the States where we're about to see prayer break out there and enough going across the Atlantic. And uh, I'm, really belie- yeah, I'm really believing that God will get us to 20,000 people praying all together at the same time in, the same lo- in, the, in different locations across uh, many nations. And the power that we will build in the momentum of that I think we'll begin to change atmospheres, change situations, and we'll begin to serve some of these on some long-standing things that we want to see change in. Yeah? This is how to, this is how to make it happen. So, are you ready to do some work? You up for it? I know it's, uh, it's an evening, and, uh, but we're used to enough being in an evening, aren't we? So we're going to go for it. So I'm going to invite... Uh, Toby to come and uh, do the first section, and uh, then we're going to get us all involved, yeah. Yeah.